Now broadcasting from the Next Gen Conservative Studio in sunny South Florida. Bringing you the latest in politics, current events, and pop culture. This is the Whitfield Report with Sam Whitfield. Hey there, folks. Welcome to the Whitfield Report. I am your host, Sam Whitfield. And in this episode of the podcast, I want to do a brief episode on Afghanistan and kind of the whole situation that has gone on in that region. Uh, And to be honest, this is going to be kind of an off-the-cuff podcast, as it were, so to speak. Um, because I did this podcast using Spotify Green Room, which is kind of the equivalent of Spot of uh, of Spotify's equivalent of uh, you know Twitter Spaces and or Clubhouse. Uh, if you've used any of those apps, they're like social chat apps where people can you know kind of tune into live conversations, kind of like live radio almost. Um, and I've just had some thoughts about Afghanistan, uh, and that whole conflict that I've kind of just kind of been brewing at the back of my head for the past couple days, and sometimes, uh, you just gotta get those out, right? And some people like to journal, some people like to write, uh, and blog, and I like to podcast, right? That's kind of been my, uh, go-to narrative for years now, so... Uh, I did this on Spotify Green Room, off the cuff, kind of raw, kind of clunky, not refined like I usually like to do the, do the podcast. But um, I did have Dictator Phil uh, join me for this episode, uh, for part of it at least. He is an Afghan uh, war veteran as well, and uh, he, he's got a lot to say about this on Twitter. And... Um, I'm sure I'll have a lot more to say in, um, you know, future episodes of the Whitfield Report about this. Um, but, you know, for now, I just decided to do an off-the-cuff podcast. So, uh, a few other things before we start the show. Uh, apologies uh, for those of you who've been listening to the podcast who have missed the last couple of episodes. Um over the past few weeks, I've had actual some actual uh, technical errors with the podcast, uh, with getting the audio file. the uh, The last podcast, as it were, um, you know this this week's previous episode, uh, my microphone uh, I use with my. Uh, you know, with my MacBook, the uh, the external podcast microphone I usually use, I uh, just decided to break, uh, or rather the USB port decided to break with it, so now I can't use it. I'm going to try to get a, re- a replacement for it, but uh, I don't know if that's going to be, to be possible here immediately. Um, and then, you know, the week before that... Uh, Streamlabs, uh, the software decided to crash on me completely, and uh, now I'm 
Streamlabs also doesn't even want to update uh, for for me right now, folks. So as a result of that, I haven't been able to get any of the podcasts from the last few weeks up. Uh, I'm going to try to do that, but I decided that I would drop this, uh, you know, exclusive audio podcast for you guys here right now. Uh, so anyway, I appreciate you listening. And uh, without further ado, here is, uh, you know, this week's Wednesday slash Thursday edition of the podcast. Uh, enjoy and thanks for listening. Alrighty here, folks. Uh, welcome to the Whitfield Report on uh, Spotify Green Room. This is our uh, second attempt at doing a uh, podcast this way. So I'd like to invite you all to, uh, you know, jump in here if you're on uh, Spotify Green Room. I did send the uh, I did send the link out via Twitter for this. Uh, unfortunately, there's no way to like pre-schedule these to let people know when they are. Um, so, yeah. So I have no idea if anyone is going to hear this um, live or not. But regardless, I wanted to go ahead and just give a few thoughts on... Um, the Afghanistan snap, I'm calling it, because it really is a, uh, a fucked up situation. Uh, the reason I'm calling it a, a snafu, obviously that's the military lingo for a situation normal all fucked up, which in this case, that is exactly. And um, just where to begin? First off, let me just say this. I don't necessarily think that it was a bad idea to get out out of to get out of Afghanistan and and in fact, I think probably we should have gotten out of uh, Afghanistan years earlier. That was part of the problem. We overstayed our welcome. And let me also say that, well, I don't necessarily blame Biden for this entirely. I definitely do think that he uh, he might not have started this whole mess in the Middle East, obviously. It, that, you know, this has been going on for decades, and he might not have sent this into, um, you know, Afghanistan. You're hearing a lot of people say, oh, well, this is all, you know, George Bush's fault. Right. And folks, there's a lot of blame that can be spread around multiple administrations, whether it be, you know, Bush forget sending us into Afghanistan 20 years ago, or, um, you know, Obama uh, not pulling us out and, you know, then causing problems with Libya. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. Uh, Trump almost, you know, got us into war, could have gotten us into war with 
Afghanistan. So believing that any president is perfect. But I think the way in which Biden did the pullout was, you know, pretty terrible overall. And, you know, we're already seeing that in just a matter of days, the Taliban has taken over region. They, they've taken over Afghanistan completely. Talking, you know, months, weeks, we're talking just a matter of days. And Biden grossly miscalculated saying, oh, no, uh, you know, the, the, the Taliban, they're not a problem. The, uh, the Afghan army, they're strong, they're well-prepared, they're well-armed, and they're not going to cause a problem, right? So that was the narrative that we were going with in July. Now, back in July, when this happened, I said on the live stream, I actually said this on the Thursday show, I am very concerned with the that Biden said all this while reading basically cue card notes. And I played clips of Biden talking about the the plan to withdraw from Afghanistan. And he was doing that from key card from uh you know uh, little note cards while reading the speech. Now, what exactly, why is that worrisome to me? Because that isn't something that you should have to, you know, look at cue cards for. If you're the commander-in-chief and you want people to you know, take you seriously, especially in matters of national security and foreign policy and something as monumental as pulling out of a, a region like that, you should have that pretty down pat. And yes, I get it. He's 78 years old. He He's old. I get that. But that is also, you know, the, my part of my counterpoint too is you know, if we if we if we have a geriatric who can't read, uh, you know, give a speech without use of note cards, then perhaps he shouldn't be making foreign policy decisions, right? And the fact that he also grossly You know, he, he made the he made the assertive statement clearly that the Taliban wouldn't be a problem, despite the fact that his advisors in the military were all saying that it would be a problem. Absolutely. And so 
over the course of time. It seems like he just announced we're packing up leaving immediately. This wasn't like a concise, planned out thing. Uh, this wasn't a planned out thing. This was, you know, pretty much we're leaving Afghanistan. We're pulling out now. We don't have a timetable to withdraw. We're just pulling out. And he pulled out too fast of the region, and the Taliban was ready to take over and strike. And now we could be sending troops back over there, really, as a result of this, right? Because the plan to evacuate didn't go according to plan. Now we need troops to go over there to help our troops pull out. You know, when in reality, maybe they, maybe we should have pulled those troops out in the first place, right? And here's the other thing. I know I'm kind of rambling a bit here tonight, but with these, uh, you know, green room types of uh, meetings, you know, I just like to ramble and kind of shoot from the hip a bit. But here's the, uh, here's the thing in regards to you know, the Middle East, right? And in regards to Afghanistan, because I actually, uh, I asked a couple of veterans in various Facebook groups that I uh, have talked to and who I uh, have, uh, oh, Phil's here, so we'll, so speaking of veterans, I know we will actually talk to one, but um, real quick before we do, let me just finish this thought. Like I said, I I've, I talked to a couple of vet, vets in various Facebook groups that I belong to back in July and asked them about this. And the general consensus I got from them was pretty much that you know, in hindsight, we probably should have never been in Afghanistan in the first place because it was always going to be a clusterfuck, right? But at the same time, once we went in, we opened Pandora's box and we basically always needed a ground military unit there. Otherwise, you know, otherwise shit could get even more fucked up, right? So it was kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. And so now we're in that space, and yeah, it's just, uh, you know, we're in that exact situation. Now the troops are gone, and everything is going to shit, and uh, yeah, it's it's not good. Uh, Dictator Phil has been uh, tweeting about this. He is a veteran, and I am happy to bring him on for the first uh, Spotify green room that I've been doing, so... Uh, let me see if I can get this going. Okay, uh, I think, Phil, you should be able to speak now if you, uh, want to come on. So.
You there, Phil? Okay. Yeah, I just granted the uh, request to speak. So, okay, we're having we're having some technical difficulties here, uh, I guess. But uh anyway, yeah, while we're uh while we're waiting and it's uh you know, the other thing that I'm pretty amazed by is the fact that uh you know the Dems six months ago were saying, uh, you know, January 6th was such a horrible uh, thing. And, uh, you know, all of us Trump supporters should, be, should have been embarrassed by January 6th, right? And we had to live with the consequences of voting for Trump and, you know, having to deal with the fall of January 6th, right? Well, now, this is, I would venture to say, ladies and gentlemen, that this is, in fact, Joe Biden's uh, version of January 6th, right? But on a, on a massive scale, actually, much bigger if you can believe that or not. Because it's not just the Capitol building that, uh, you know, got overrun in, uh, you know, Afghanistan and Kabul. Uh, you know, it's the, the entire country is, uh, you know, kind of fucked now. Uh, for lack of a better term. I mean, there there's videos of shootings of innocents and whatnot. Uh, people actually are are uh, armed in this conflict. Unlike um, with January 6th. Uh, hold on, folks. I'm trying to see if I can get Phil back on. So. Alright, maybe, maybe I need to, uh, maybe I need to, like, add him or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm following him. Maybe, maybe I need to remove him as okay. Invite to speak. Okay, let's see if this goes through. Now.
Sorry, folks, we're doing live. This is like doing live radio here. Uh, so. But yeah, there is actual violence in the. Uh, oh, let's see here. Okay. Okay, there we go. Can you hear me? Yeah, hey, Phil, what's going on? Um, apparently a lot this week. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> this is all uh, a, that Afghanistan situation just went all to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, I, uh, it, you know, things escalated, or rather, depending on your, how you look at it, things, uh, de escalated. Things escalated or de-escalated fairly quickly. Um, you know, and uh, it's it's amazing uh, what I mean. It, it it's honestly amazing to me the fact that like it didn't even take the Taliban. Uh, it took them just a mere few days to. Uh, you know, take over the entire uh, region of of Afghanistan. Yeah, I mean, I I would I would say this is the I would say this is probably the worst military blunder since Saigon. And I don't and and you know obviously I haven't I've I I've never been to Vietnam, but. At least, at least Saigon took months for the blunder to happen. Like, this took, like, fucking 10 days or something. Like, <laughs> and and it cost, I can't imagine it cost as much, or we gave up as much as we did. I mean, this is, like, it's incredible. It's, a, it's so bad, it's almost incredible, you know? Now, just to qualify, you know, just to let the listeners know, you, uh, you know, you served in, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, did you, did you, did you serve in Afghanistan? I know you served in I the quote-unquote yeah. one terror, but were you, act, oh, so I, you were actually were in the sandbox then. Yep, sure was. Um, so, yeah, so as a, uh, I mean, so I know that you were pretty fucking pissed, uh, when I, well, not just you, but pretty much every veteran I know, uh, was pissed at what happened. It Um, was so bad. I mean, ultimately it was, it wasn't so much the, the draw, the, the, the drawdown that that triggered such anger, but it was just the, the poor execution, the poor planning and the even poor execution of everything. Um, yeah. And it's like the fact that the fact that the Taliban ended up with more than when we went over there, like it's, it's like not, not only does it feel like 
like a lot of these people felt like they did nothing, but it was like we might have even done less than nothing because the Taliban got stronger. So yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but and it's not their fault. I mean, and I, and, I, and and you know, I I've had to I've had to call friends. I've had to talk to friends. I've, um, because they've uh, there's been quite a few of them that have just been angry, depressed, frustrated, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. They've the, the a lot of them have felt pretty much every emotion in the book, but um, um, obviously they. You know, obviously what they did meant something. What I did meant something, but, you know, it, yeah, it just doesn't feel, I mean, it, it's, it's, it doesn't feel that way. And not, not only that, it, it's, it's a situation that could have been easily rectified. Like it could have been easily organized and easily handled. And they didn't. I mean, it was just bad. So how would, uh, uh, that that is something I want to ask. So how how would dictator Phil have handled this situation? Because I mean, I'm just a I'm just a civilian, and well, you know the extent of my military expertise comes from playing Call of Duty and reading military well, political if, thrillers. It if you if you heard Donald Trump's interview with Maria Bartiromo, that's the ideal situation. So he was saying that you would, if you did that situation, right? If you had a situation like, like the one that rolled out, well, first and foremost, you're evacuating, you're evacuating Americans right out of the gate, right? Americans first, then Afghan women or children, if they want to leave, um, then Afghan men, and then probably soldiers last. Um, because obviously you need so soldiers will be facilitating everything that's going on. So soldiers would probably be the last to to leave. And then once that's done, you destroy all the equipment, all the bases, and then you leave. Yeah, that yeah that that's that's the other thing too that like perplexes me about this whole thing is like regardless of which side of the, the aisle you you're sitting on, and we we have a few people uh, listening live with us. I don't know what their affiliation you know is or anything, but like regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, it seems pretty uh, you know. It seems like pretty common sense that if you're if you're going to leave, you know, a a, a, a theater of war like Afghanistan, you should probably either mm-hmm. take most of your military gear with you or destroy, you know, the gear that you can't uh, take with you, because now the Taliban mm-hmm. has like Apache helicopters and. And uh, you know stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, the the first the first real mistake that they made was giving a specific date as to when they were pulling out. So like they the their their pullout date was at the end of August, which again you set 
you know, you set your troops up for failure because now the enemy knows when to attack, right? If you know that you're pulling out and you have a plan to pull out at X date, now the enemy knows when to attack, right? They know when to attack. They know when to, to, they know when you're moving, whatever you're moving. So now they can, you know, attack your convoys, take whatever, you know, whatever they can. And so that's the first mess up. And then they waited way too long to start evacuating people way too long when, when things were getting, you know, out of hand. Um, Joe Biden said there was a contingency plan. There was no fucking contingency plan. It looked, it looked like everything messed up and they had no plan for it. Um, and then, I mean, I mean, it's too late now. Like, they're, they're, they're saying, oh, well, we're going to send troops. We're going to send troops to the airfield and stabilize the airfield and all that stuff. I'm like, it's too fucking late now. They got... And uh, and then they're, they're going to write... And, and, then, and then Biden, the, 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 the administration has the balls to write a fucking letter to the Taliban asking them to please treat the women with respect or whatever. I'm like... You can't, you can't be serious. Yeah, you cannot that, be fucking serious. The, there was that. There was like that one State Department official that did like a press conference that was like saying, "We're hope we're hoping that the Taliban, uh, you know, shows fair treatment of uh, minorities, women, and LGBT." And it's <laughs> like. What are you talking like like it's like I looked at him yeah. and I'm like what the fuck are you talking about these the Taliban live under sharia law right that that's like it's not look clearly any 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 retard could look at that situation and go it's not looking good yeah for anybody and not women probably not children uh if there is if there are any lgbtq it's probably not looking good for them either um, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, if the the women are pro- women are probably uh, any any woman that isn't like forced into marriage is probably going into sexual slavery. I mean, that's likely their future. Um, yeah. Well, and what and what's what's sad too is like they. There actually, there is actually like a women's journalism, uh, like group there, and they've, like in Afghanistan, and they've all been like, they've been tweeting like, where are the feminists, you know, like to support us? And the answer is nowhere yeah, because nowhere to be found. You know, the, the the feminists here are the feminists, you know, in the Western world, they're more worried about, you know, oh. Uh, Scarlett Johansson's boobies are, you yeah. know, too, are too the, big, big here. And uh huh. The very first thing, look, the very first thing that dictator Phil would do would be to to offer offer the Taliban a swap. We would we would take one Afghani woman, right, preferably attractive, <laughs> but one Afghani woman, and we would swap her for one. 
uh, pink haired lesbian, right? That would be, that would be the, the plan or, or even a feminist, right? We just like one blue haired lesbian, get over there. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's, yeah. Let's see how long they last over, uh, over there. Like I, I'm just, I was even looking at, I had to, I had to re, I was rewatching the, the the videos where the side by side videos of the, uh, the they had a there's one YouTube video that had a Chinese recruiting video military recruiting video a Russian recruiting video and this one of the last uh, army videos that had like the woman with two mothers and like <laughs> just awful. It, it's so bad, and like you, you, you tell we we are not we are not in a good way right now. Yeah, no, yeah, no. When it, it's it's really it's really telling that they're worried about you know about trans people being represented in the military, uh, you know, whereas like. No one else really in the world, not even the Brits really, who I would argue are pretty, you know, socialist, you know, in terms of this stuff. Not even, not even there, you know, playing with this type of stuff. So. Yeah, they're not playing games. These other countries aren't playing games. You think Russia's playing games with this shit? You think China's playing games with this shit? Like, no, they, they, they understand the seriousness that that is involved in military and here we are doing fucking social experiments well and, and well and that's the other thing too that i want to you know that i, I want to bring up because our friend sean who should probably be in here listening to this that little curly-haired bastard um um he he tweeted out or i guess retweeted something from one of those like Chinese uh, quote unquote think tank groups, uh, which we all know those are like government sponsored usually. So mm-hmm. it's probably an arm of the Chinese government, like tweeting something out about uh, Taiwan, you know, soon, and the Americans won't be won't be able to help you. Like they tweeted yeah. that, they tweeted that openly. Like, and mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't even like a, it wasn't even like a, it wasn't even like a coded, you know, threat or anything like that. Like they, you know, China basically threatened, uh, you know, Taiwan openly on Twitter, and, you know, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but the Chinese are kind of right because you know, based on. Biden's, you know, uh, you know, response, like they're just, they're weak. And so, well, I'll say this, the, the, the troops are, are as good as they are, our, our troops are still as good as they come. Our special forces, our Rangers, our airborne units are, are still the best soldiers in the world. However, that only gets you so far when your gut, when your generals and your politicians that are above you are corrupt as fuck. The yeah. lid is placed on them. 
And it doesn't look like China seems to have that problem. Well, I mean, all, I mean, all China, I mean, let, let's face it, China's government is, is corrupt as fuck, too. But mm-hmm. the difference is, is they, they use their military as an authoritarian force, not as a peacekeeping force like, uh, like we do largely. And I, and I know that, you know, there are a bunch of lefties that are going to be screaming, oh, what about U.S. killing, uh, you know, dead children? No, not the, not even the same thing. But yeah, I mean, China is just, they're going to be able to roll in and, you know, I mean, if you really wanted Taiwan and take over. Yeah, if you really, I mean, honestly, if you really wanted to do your conspiracy theory game, you could say that, okay, well, why why did Joe Biden create this date, right? The date of late, late August to pull everything out. Uh, I mean, it seems like the Chinese, it seems like the Chinese put pressure on on this government because they they were already China was already here they already had an embassy uh, in Kabul and everything like they were they already said they were willing to work with the Taliban they were willing to recognize them as a legit government and like all that seemed very uh, convenient and we all know how what uh, what kind of relationship Beijing Biden has with the Chinese. And we know what kind of you, we know that uh, Afghanistan has a lot of minerals and you know, mainly lithium and um, a bit of precious metals. And I mean, it's possible. It's possible the Chinese pressured Biden to act and he might have. I mean. Yeah, well, this this goes back to the whole laptop thing, too. And, I mean, I know mm-hmm. that, you know, there are probably going to be some people who are like, oh, you guys are really, you know, diving into conspiracy stuff. But, I mean, you know, Hunter Biden was doing business with the Chinese. Like, that's not a, uh, that's not like, a, that's not even like a conspiracy or a secret, really. That's, mm-hmm. uh that's out there and no but but we're expected to we're expected to believe oh his business dealings had nothing to do with uh with biden when he was vice president but yet you know donald trump we're supposed to panic when he built when he builds a private hotel as a private citizen in uh moscow Mm. Mm. All right. Let, let me uh, let, let let me hit you back up. I got to this uh this thing I'm on is uh going out. I will ca- I will be back in a little bit, all right? All right. All right, folks. Yeah, so um very interesting segment uh from Phil and, uh, basically, if anyone else wants 
to uh, pop on here real quick. Alright, yeah, we're, we're still live, we're still gonna be here for a little bit longer, I think, we're almost, yeah, we're almost at a full 40 minutes here, so, yeah, what Phil was saying, uh, you know, everything he has said so far, I completely agree with, yeah, and China, you know, if you think China is gonna sleep on this, you're, uh, you know, you're wrong, and, you know, they they tweeted the same day um, as when this was all going down. They tweeted within a matter of hours that Taiwan was no longer going to be safe, right, and that they were going to move in on in on Taiwan. So. You know, what are we supposed to do with that, folks? I don't know. I just don't really know. At all. Um, you know, I'm. should we go in and help Taiwan? Uh, you know, if we're, if Taiwan gets, gets attacked from the Chinese, I mean, party would say yes, but honestly, another party would say no, we can't, you know, we can't keep going into, uh, you know, these conflicts. And by the way, I, I want to remind people that Joe Biden was in fact one of the people that, uh, voted for the war in Iraq and the war in Afghanistan. Um, he he was one of the people that voted yes. So for the people that want to say that that you know oh that you know the conflicts in the Middle East it was all uh, Bush's fault. You know that we're in this you know foster clock. Or however you want to say it. No, it's, uh, you know, Biden was one of the people that signed off. And, yeah, maybe going into Af- going into Afghanistan and taking out um, Osama bin Laden, that was not a mistake. But the, the problem was, was uh, Af- what were we doing in... Uh, What we what were we to stand for so long after? You know that's the 
that's the hard question here. So, all right, let me uh, let me go ahead, go ahead, and um, see if if any of the uh, if any of the followers are here. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully this thing will... Hopefully we can get some people on the old water here. Talking. All right, let's see. So, uh, yeah. Sorry about all the uh, pauses and interruptions here, folks. I'm sure this isn't very, uh, you know, entertaining for the uh, podcast. You know, listening to this. This is, you know, this is us doing, I guess, a new form of radio, so like I said, I'm going to try and see if we can get, you know, a way of scheduling these things so that people can join in and listen, so let me see here. 
I know that people can. Uh, I know that people can listen to this on live if a, uh, a green room account here on Spotify. Green room. What I don't know is if you can listen to this if you don't have an account. That's what I don't know. And that's what makes this uh, all very interesting. But, uh, oh shoot, folks. Let's see. Yeah, I can't think of uh, too much more to really discuss on this one. I think, uh, you know, my points basically still stand. Um, you know, bottom line, folks, I basically think, like I said at the very beginning of the podcast, I think that Biden was the cause of this clusterfuck in the Middle East. It's, you know, a thing that's been going on uh, for a while, right? Um, really, it's it's, you know, the Afghan conflict is so um, you know it's it's so vast and so convoluted you know like at one point like back in the 80s folks we were allied with you know the Taliban back back then the uh, you know that not they weren't the Taliban then they were the Muhajim uh, you know, Bin Laden at one point was one of our allies against the Russian, uh, you know, army in Afghanistan, one to conquer Afghanistan. We, uh, you know, we helped the Afghans then, and, um, you know, Bin Laden was one of those we assisted, right? Hard to think about that, but that's true. Uh, and, but it turns out they weren't really friendly with America uh, to begin with. And then, you know, the, the, the 90, there was like a 92 bombing uh, that occurred here in 1992. And I believe Bin Laden was labeled as responsible for that. Uh, then the World Trade Center attacks happened and Bin Laden was shown to have uh, responsibility in that as well. Um, and we took Bin Laden out in 2011. And then, you know, the Arab Spring happened in 2012 as well, uh, which created ISIS with Obama. And uh, then Trump came in and took out ISIS and whatnot and, uh, you know, his administration and then droned, uh, you know, Suleimani. I actually was worried that that was going to start a war uh, myself, but it didn't, um, thankfully. Um you know, now we have this latest clusterfuck. So, 
like I said, folks, I don't know what to think, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, like I said, I know this was a real impromptu show tonight, but I wanted to do something uh, here with the green room. Uh, just see what, you know, what's happening. Who tuned in to watch or, I guess, listen in on this and for the people listening to this on the uh, podcast. Thank you for uh, tuning in as well. And uh, real quick show notes. Uh, I am in the process of trying to uh, get my microphones back up and running in the streaming software for Saturday's show. But uh, we're still dealing with technical difficulties. So I'll let you know where that all goes. Uh, but in the meantime, folks, thank you for tuning in. God bless. God's at the Skate Nation. I'm in order, and I will see you on the next episode of the Whitfield Report podcast. Thanks for listening to the Whitfield Report on the NGC Network. Please visit Sam's website at www.thesamwhitfield.com and support Sam on Patreon at patreon.com slash Whitfield Report. Until next time, God bless, God save this great nation, and God, freedom, legacy, in that order.